I wanted to let you know uh, you're giving to the Brunswick Baptist Association toy stores. God used your giving and that of many churches a few weeks ago as a toy store convened at some of our churches to help families in need provide toys for their children, but also to counsel families, to love on them uh, as well. So to let you know, uh, at the toy store this year, 90 families were served, and that amounts to 365 children. Ten people made first-time professions of faith in Christ. So praise God for that. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, thank you for your giving and for your continued giving. There is, is nothing, I mean, it's always sweet to know that someone comes to Christ, but the Christmas season, to know that somebody comes to faith in Christ the very first time, when we celebrate the coming of Christ, how sweet that is, how wonderful that is, and how humbling that is, that we get to be a part of that. If you have your Bible with you, find with me the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 2. Hold your place there for a moment. Matthew chapter 2, as we go to Matthew's account of the birth of Christ in just a moment and look into one of those key dramatic stories that he has preserved for us there. But hold your place there for just a minute. Uh, have you heard of Jeffrey Holt? Uh, Jeffrey Holt lived all his 82 years in Hinsdale, New Hampshire, a very small town, but he was a well-known figure in uh, Hinsdale, New Hampshire. Uh, Jeffrey Holt was one of those people everybody knew, everybody liked. He lived his whole life of 82 years. He passed away this past June. He lived his whole life in a single-wide mobile home in Hinsdale, sparsely furnished, no television, no internet. He was not a man of means. It didn't appear anyway he was a man of means at all. He never owned a car. When he wanted to get around the small town of Hinsdale, he rode around on his riding lawnmower. And everybody knew Jeffrey. Everybody waved at Jeffrey. Everybody appreciated Jeffrey's good humor. And everybody assumed when they saw Jeffrey that the poverty before them was all that there was. So everybody was surprised when at 82 years old, Jeffrey passed away in June and bequeathed to the town of Hensdale $3.8 million. Things are not always as they appear to be. Christmas reminds us, be careful, be careful. If you chase after the God you're looking for, you might very well miss the God right in front of you. He's not always what he appears to be. And a baby born in Bethlehem in a manger to teenagers, not of means at all, not a king, not a queen, just regular people, not at all what we expect. For the great God of the universe to come into the world. But the Bible teaches that is the glory of God. The glory of God is shown in Christ and in his incarnation at Bethlehem. His death on the cross and his resurrection glorified God the Father and demonstrated his love toward us. This morning we're going to step into one of those very familiar stories we find in the Bible that we all love at Christmas. In fact, this one, like many of them, has its own song. We Three Kings, uh, its own Christmas carol. So look there with me as we read this familiar story of the Magi from Matthew chapter 2. And I want you to go ahead and tuck away the number one truth we're going to focus on 
this morning, on this Christmas Eve morning, it's very simply this. The Bible teaches that anyone can come to Christ, and any who come to Christ with sincere faith will find him. Anyone can come to Christ, and anyone who come to Christ with sincere faith will find him. Any of us willing to say, you know what, I'll come to God on his terms, not on mine. I'll look for God on his terms, not on mine. And we come to him in faith. God promises those seekers will find him. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star would appear, or appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had, been, had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy, entering the house they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Anyone can seek Jesus. Anyone can come to Jesus when they come to him with sincere hearts, sincerely seeking Christ. Uh, that's what I want us to focus on for a few minutes on this Christmas Eve morning, is sincerely seeking Christ and what that actually looks like. We have to be very careful because uh, even as Christians, if you're a born-again believer in Christ, your tendency is to expect God to behave the way you want God to behave. It's to look for God on your terms and ask God to behave as you want him to behave on your terms, to answer prayers on your terms, to do what you want God to do. And what makes the difference to the person who finds Christ and experiences the power of God in their lives and, and follows God into the future and sees God work in their lives and that of others' lives is the faith to say, I want to see God work as God. I want to trust Christ. I want to follow Christ. I'm looking for him to do what only he can do. Now, the story of the Magi is actually a fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, the Bible prophesied that uh, they would come from lands far away when the king of all kings was born. Uh, the Magi, uh, or we read it as wise men. And by the way, the word, the phrase wise men translates the word Magi. It means the, the same thing. And, and, and we refer to them as kings, although the Bible doesn't refer to them as kings. It's quite likely they were affluent. It may have been that they were royal. But what we do know is that they were Magi. That is, they were wise men. And we also know that they were from Persia. That is Babylon and that area, or as the Bible sometimes refers to it, Sheba, the land of Sheba. Uh, we also know that they were astronomers and astrologers. And we know that they practiced a pagan cult called Zoro Zoroastrianism. They, they sought out 
the deities by focusing on the stars. And you might say, well, why are they included in the nativity story? Well, here's why they're included in the nativity story. Anybody can come to Christ and will find him when they seek him with sincere heart. Uh, they were prophesied in the Old Testament. Psalm 72 says, May the kings of Tarshish and the coasts and islands bring tribute. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. But all kings bow in homage to him, and all nations serve him. Isaiah chapter 60. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah. All of them will come from Sheba. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. Matthew, in fact, Matthew gift wraps his gospel and the Christmas story in the prophecies of the Old Testament. So he's not about to leave out one of the most significant events of that Christmas. When these three wise men, these magi, came from Persia and fulfilled God's prophecy that they would come from all over the globe acknowledging that Christ and Christ alone is God and King. They would come and they would remind us that anyone can come and anyone will find him who seeks him with sincere hearts. For a few minutes this morning, let's talk about seeking Jesus. Uh, let's talk about how to seek Jesus. Let's talk about what we need to focus on, we need to remember uh, as we're in this Christmas and as we go into 2024. Maybe it's this time in your life when you realize that you've been asking God to be who you want God to be uh, rather than seeking God on his terms. And maybe your heart hasn't been willing and open to let God work in your life. I want to challenge you this morning to seek God on his terms, to let Christ work in your life just as he is. So what can we learn? How do we seek Jesus? Well, the first thing we see is to willingly seek him, to willingly seek Jesus. Elsewhere in the Bible, another prophet, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. God himself says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Uh, to seek and search for Jesus willingly is to search for him with an open heart. It's a sincere heart that truly seeks out Christ for who he is. Is willing to bow to the baby in Bethlehem and not require him to wear a crown in a palace for you to bow down. It's willing to, to submit your pride to him. It's willing to seek him just as he is with an open and sincere heart. Matthew included the kings, the, the magi here, uh, to contrast them to King Herod. And the contrast is easy to see. Herod himself was narcissistic. He was a brilliant man. And like the magi, he was wealthy and well-studied, but he was also crazy. Uh, he actually killed family members later in life who he thought might uh, challenge his right to rule. He was well-known for being homicidal. Uh, he was well-known for being narcissistic, prideful, self-centered. His heart is unwilling to seek God on God's terms. He is the contrast to the magi. And it's because of him that we, we see that difference. And it's because of Herod that we have to ask ourselves, which one are we most like? Are we most like the Magi, willing to come on God's terms, to seek him on his terms? Or are we more like Herod, that we sit back and say, God, when I need you, I'll let you know. God, this life is really about me. 
God, I want it my way when you answer my prayers my way. Then I'll believe in you. Something else that sets apart the willingness of the Magi is they were willing to accept the unexpected. They were willing to look for Christ, the King of all creation, in the last place anyone would expect him to be. They went first to Jerusalem, the, the, the home of the king, the, the palace area, where the, the city of David, the great city of the Jews. They went there first because that's where all the, the, the religious leaders would be. That's where King Herod was. That's where the information would be. And they thought when they arrived, they would be looking for him somewhere around there. And they learned that he was in Bethlehem. They learned that from the prophecies of the Old Testament. They learned that from Micah chapter 5. And, they, and it was confirmed for them when they arrived. And they were okay with that. It was okay for God to show up differently than they expected. They were willing to find him wherever he was. Willing to go wherever he was. So that's the first thing to ask yourself this Christmas about your heart. Is your heart willing and open to seek out God on God's terms? Are you seeking him out in sincerity? And when you come to him in prayer, are, are you coming sincerely asking God to do what only God can do? Bowing to his divinity, his royalty, and his glory and not requiring him to behave the way you want God to behave. So first we seek him, we find him when we willingly seek him. And of course that means also that you might be one of those the folks in here or at home that, you know, I go to church because mama made me. I go to church because I had to. A lot of folks say that. You grow up and you're out of here. I'm not doing that anymore because you made me. And, and, and usually on the tail end of that is something like, and it never made any difference for me anyway. Well, you know why it didn't make any difference? Because you weren't coming willingly, sincerely. You weren't seeking God on God's terms. By the way, I'm glad your parents made you go to church. That's okay. But your heart condition, your spiritual condition, that's up to you. That's up to you. Willingly seek him. Secondly, we learn again from the Magi, we're reminded to actively seek him. These are very proactive, intentional people. And aren't you glad they are? Had they not been proactive, intentional people, they wouldn't be in the Christmas story. You ever thought about that? The reason they are here is because they didn't stay in Persia. That's why they're in the story. And, and that's a 900-mile trip. Not three men on three camels, but most likely a caravan that they had to gather up, have enough supplies and food to make it through the desert 900 miles to get to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. In the story, we're reminded about a, a few truths, a few things to remember to actively seek Jesus, to not be passive, not sit back, not stay in Persia, but to actively seek Jesus. The first thing is to know him, and to know him, you have to know the scriptures. Uh, there's a question that arises in the story, how did they know the prophecy of Micah? How did they know the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures said that Christ would be born and where he would be born. Uh, you remember the story of Daniel. When Daniel, uh, in his time, Daniel, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and 
Thousands of other Jews were carried off into exile. Where were they carried into exile? Into Babylon. They settled into Babylon until God let them go home. But while they were there, their scriptures became embedded in the culture of Babylon. Now we fast forward hundreds of years to the Magi, and now they have studied, they know the Hebrew scriptures well enough to know where Christ would be born, where the king would come, and what to watch for. This is in contrast to Herod. Herod himself had no idea what the prophecy said about when Christ would come. And the religious leaders who were caretakers of the Old Testament scripture, they weren't watching for him. They knew what it said, but they didn't know how to apply it. They were academics, and when you academically seek Jesus, you learn about him, but you don't find him. So first, if you're going to seek Jesus, actively know him. And to know him, you need to know the word of God. You've got to dig into the scriptures. You've got to learn how God behaves. You've got to pay attention to what it says about him and how to find him. So along with knowing him, that is knowing the scriptures, watch for him. Watch for him. Watch for the signs. And, and I don't mean the star streaming across the sky or, or standing still in the eastern sky. I don't mean grand miracles. The standard operating procedure of God is to let you know his character and his nature. When you know him in the word of God, you'll know how he behaves. Watch for that. Look for that. One of the biggest disappointments of the Christian faith and of Christians in general is we don't really expect God to show up and do anything, so we're not watching for him to do anything. And alongside that, we're so unfamiliar with the Word of God and how God behaves, we might not even know Him when we see Him. When He's working in someone's life. When a conversation opens the door to the Gospel. When the Holy Spirit moves us to pray for someone, come alongside someone, love on someone. When God calls us out to His great work, are we watching for Him, paying attention to Him? The Magi were. Magi were. Embedded in the whole Christmas story, threaded through it, is the timing of God Almighty. Uh, you can't get away from it in the New Testament. Uh, even Paul says in the book of Galatians that Christ came at the perfect time. It's all about God's timing. And those who are watching for God watch for God's timing as well. Then they do. Then they get involved in what God is doing. That brings us to the third thing. Go to him. Go to him. Say, God, I want to see what you're doing. I want to get involved in what you're doing. I want to participate with you in what you're doing. Actively seeking him means going to him and what he's doing. Herod, the great scholars of the Jews, they didn't know what to watch for. They didn't know what to look for. And, and that truth carries through the whole life of Christ. The Bible tells us frequently they, they didn't know him when they saw him. They had no idea that God was standing in front of them. The great God of the Old Testament, the God of the burning bush, the God of creation, the God of the Red Sea was standing right in front of them in human flesh. And they missed it because they didn't know who they were looking for. When God shows up and shows you what he's doing, he's doing that so you'll get involved with him in what he's doing. 
Our tendency is to say, God bless what I want to do. Have you been doing that in 2023 and you wonder why not much is happening? Because the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches go where God is blessing. Get involved in what God already says he will bless and he will do. And you'll get to see him work. If 2023 has been sort of a passive year for you, a sit back and, and wait and watch year, ask yourself why. Aren't you glad the Magi didn't sit back in Persia and say, well, we could go, but boy, that'd be awfully inconvenient. All the work it would take, all the time out of our schedule, 900-mile trip, all the water we would have to pack, all the food we'd have to take, that's awfully inconvenient. And, and what about uncomfortable? I mean, certainly it was uncomfortable sleeping in the desert, even if they brought tents with them, which they would have. They would have had servants to pitch those tents for them. They, they would have done that. Still kind of uncomfortable. Wouldn't you rather stay back in Persia in the palace and watch the world go by? And if, if God wants you, he'll come and get you, right? Those are the two main reasons Christians almost never get to see God work or use them in a great way. Because it's inconvenient and it's really uncomfortable. Toss those aside in 2024 and say, God, I will show up. You call, I'll go. Because I don't want to live my life on this planet and come to the conclusion of it, having spent my Christian walk sitting back passively and watching others see God work. I want to be a part of what God's doing. Willingly seeking, actively seeking. Then third, reverently seeking, reverently seeking. They announce without hesitation why they have shown up in Jerusalem. They are seeking the one, pay attention to this, born king of the Jews, not the one who would become king of the Jews. They're seeking the one born king of the Jews, the one who by his birth and his birthright is the ruler of of God's people. And when they do that, they are talking to Herod the Great. Now, Herod the Great was a puppet king of Rome. He wasn't even pure, uh, he wasn't even a pure Jew. He was uh, Idumean mixed with Jewish blood. The Jews hated him. And the Romans loved him because he was a puppet king for them. And he just wanted power in that place. That's what he wanted. And they show up and they tell him they're seeking the one right then born king of the Jews. You know what that means? That means Herod, who claimed to be king of the Jews, would be the usurper to the throne. And in the ancient world, the one who tried to take the throne from the rightful king would be executed. No wonder he is greatly disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. In that moment, they come with reverence. They come looking for the one true king. They are not going to miss the opportunity. What opportunity? They tell us to worship him. They're going to travel 900 miles. They're going to do whatever they have to do. But they are not going to miss the opportunity to worship the one true king, the one true God, fulfilling prophecy, born in Bethlehem. And they... 
They don't try to, to hide that in the least. They say twice in the story, we have come to worship him. The term means to pay homage to the king, to bow to him and bring him gifts. Famously, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's why we have, have all, all through history said there were three kings because there were three gifts. Actually, we don't know how many magi came, but certainly at least three came. And they came reverently. Herod, on the other hand, has no intention of worshiping Christ. His only intention is to find the king, and we find out later, to kill him, to keep his place. You and I would not do anything that dramatic, would we? But let's be honest. God, we like our lives the way they are. Please don't mess with my life. I'll come to church, I'll sit and soak, I'll be passive. I'll even take a class, good thing, good for you. But God, don't call me out, don't inconvenience me, don't make me uncomfortable. The thing is, if you worship Jesus, it starts with bowing to Jesus. It starts with saying, my life, God, belongs to you. If you say to Jesus, he is your Lord, that means what it says. He is the Lord of your life. There's not a pocket or a place you get to keep. You hand that off to him. You bow before him. To truly find him with a sincere and willing heart, actively seek him. And when you get there, you bow before him. You bow your heart. You bow your mind. You bow your life. You say, I belong to you. So let God search your heart a little bit. How's 2023 been for you? Has 2023 been a lot of, God, I don't want to change anything. God, I love you. I'll worship you. I, I know that I've confessed Christ as a Christian, but, but God, I don't want to change anything. I don't want to be uncomfortable God, I'll seek you for about 30 minutes in the morning in my devotional, and the rest of my day is your, is mine, belongs to me, and I'll let you know if I need you. Has 2023 been like that for you? What if you go into 2024 and you say, God, anything, anything you want, my time, my resources, anything you want, God, I bow before you in worship. I seek you, not to tell you what I want, but to worship you. Uh, this April, the 35-year run of the production of The Phantom of the Opera closed out in New York City. 35 years on Broadway. And in case you're wondering, because I know you are, it's deeply concerning you how many times that means it actually was performed, I'll tell you, 13,981 performances of the Phantom of the Opera in 35 years. And a man named Alan Lampell was there for 13,000 performances. He didn't make the other 981, I don't know why, but he was there for 13,000 performances of the Phantom of the Opera and never bought a ticket. You know why? He was head electrician 
for the Phantom of the Opera. He was the guy that made the lights work. It was because of him the actors could be seen. It was because of him the production went on in the first place. And he never missed a performance of those 13,000 performances. The moral of that story is pretty simple. If you want to be in the drama, you got to show up. If you want to play your part, and your part is significant in what God is doing, it's time to stop sitting and soaking, and it's time to show up. It's time to say, God, I want to see you work through me in 2024. God, I want to know what you're like deeper than I ever have in 2024. God, I want this Christmas to be the Christmas that I bow at the manger and I stand up a servant of Almighty God. God, forgive me where I've been like Herod. Forgive me where I've been self-centered. Forgive me, God, any time I thought this was about me. And may 2024, God, be about you. And whatever it is, God, I'll say yes. I'll show up. I'll bow down. And I'll serve you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this room this morning and at home on this Christmas Eve, there's some of us, God, you're speaking to us. Uh, you're reminding us, God, you're showing us what 2023 has been like. You're showing us all the times, Father, that we have uh, asserted our will against you. All the times we said, God, no, I won't go. And all the times, Father, you forgave us for that. And God, I pray for us this morning that our heart's desire would be to seek Jesus in a fresh way. It would be to be surprised by the unexpected that Christ shows up in our lives, calls us out to fresh and new things. I pray, God, this Christmas would be the Christmas as believers in Christ, we would fully rededicate our lives to Christ. And Father, if there's this one, one in this room or at home and we've never trusted Christ as our Savior, God, let this be, let this be the Christmas. We answer the call to follow Christ, to give our lives to Jesus this year. Father, as we go into a time of response, I pray, God, we would respond on this Christmas Eve as you are calling us to respond. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.